What's going on, everybody? This is Ben from Retro Ben Gaming. With all the craziness happening in the world today, I decided to add a little positivity to it with this podcast. This podcast is going to focus on all things video games, whether it's discussing them, playing them, or just getting them on the cheap. Now, whether you're a PC player or a console player, I believe we all have something to add to this conversation. So I hope you enjoy the podcast, and as always, keep gaming. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about the history of Atari. Now, Atari was a supernova. They burnt very brightly, but they burnt out quick. Even though they got the ball rolling for a lot of Atari video game consoles and home computers, they just did not keep up, did not make good decisions, and eventually stalled out. They're still around today. They make video games uh, for multiple systems. They also tried their hand at a console last year. It was so-so. I'm not going to go too far into it because I have another episode dedicated to that. So this is the history of Atari. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope, like me, you all have fond memories of playing an Atari as a kid. In 1971, Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney founded a small engineering company, Syzygy Engineering, that designed Computer Space, the world's first commercially available arcade video game for nutting giggity associates. On June 27, 1972, the two incorporated Atari Inc., and soon hired Al Alcorn as their first design engineer. Bushnell asked Alcorn to produce an arcade version of the Magnavox Odyssey's tennis game, which would later be called Pong. While Bushnell incorporated Atari in June of 1972, Syzygy Company was never formally incorporated. Before Atari's incorporation, Bushnell considered various terms from the game Go, eventually choosing Atari, referencing a position in the game when a group of stones is eminently in danger of being taken by one's opponent. Atari was incorporated in the state of California on June 27, 1972. In 1973, Atari secretly spawned a competitor called Key Games, headed by Nolan's next-door neighbor, Joe Keenan, to circumvent pinball distributors' insistence on exclusive distribution deals. Both Atari and Key could market virtually the same game to different distributors, each getting a quote-unquote exclusive deal. Joe Keenan's management of the subsidiary led to him being promoted president of Atari that same year. Man, it's all about who you know. In 1975, Atari's Grass Valley, California subsidiary, Cyan Engineering, started the development of a flexible console that was capable of playing the four existing Atari games. The result was the Atari VCS, or Video Computer System. The introductory price of $199, which is equivalent to about $900 today, included a console, two joysticks, a pair of paddles, and the combat game cartridge. Bushnell knew... He had another potential hit on his hands, but bringing the machine to market would be extremely expensive. Looking for outside investors, Bushnell sold Atari to Warner Communications in 1976 for an estimated 28 to 32 million, using part of the money to buy the Folgers Mansion. Nolan continued to have disagreements with Warner management over the direction of the company. The discontinuation of the pinball division, and most importantly, the notion of discontinuing the 2600. In 1978, Key Games was disbanded. In December of that year, Nolan Bushnell was fired following an argument with Manny Girard. 
We started fighting like cats and dogs, and then the wheels came off that fall. Warner claimed they fired me, recalled Bushnell. I say I quit. It was a mutual separation. I had a couple of those before. The development of a successor to the 2600 started as soon as it shipped. The original team estimated the 2600 had a lifespan of about three years. It then set forth to build the most powerful machine possible within that time frame. Midway into their effort, the home computer revolution took off, leading to the addition of a keyboard and features to produce the Atari 800 and its smaller sibling, the Atari 400. The new machines had some success when they finally became available in quantity in 1980. From this platform, Atari released their next-generation game console in 1982, the Atari 5200. It was unsuccessful due to incompatibility with the 2600 game library, a small quantity of dedicated games and notoriously unreliable controllers. Porting arcade games to home systems with inferior hardware was difficult. The ported version of Pac-Man for Atari 2600 omitted many of the visual features of the original to compensate for the lack of ROM space and the hardware struggled when multiple ghosts appeared on the screen creating a flicker effect. Under Warner and Atari's chairman and CEO, Raymond Cassier, the company achieved its greatest success, selling millions of 2600s and computers. At its peak, Atari accounted for a third of Warner's annual income and was the fastest growing company in U.S. history at the time. However, it ran into problems in the early 1980s as interference from the New York-based Warner management increasingly affected daily operations. Its home computer, video game console, and arcade divisions operated independently and rarely cooperated. Faced with fierce competition and price wars in the game console and home computer markets, Atari was never able to duplicate the success of the 2600. These problems were followed by the video game crash of 1983, with losses that totaled more than $500 million. Warner's stock price slid from $60 to $20, and the company began searching for a buyer for its troubled division. In 1983, Ray Cassier had resigned and executives involved in the Famicom merger lost track of negotiations, eventually killing the deal. With Atari's financial problems and the Famicom's runaway success in Japan after its July 16, 1983 release, Nintendo decided to remain independent. Financial problems continued to mount and Cassier's successor, James J. Morgan, had less than a year in which to tackle the company's problems. He began a massive restructuring of the company and worked with Warner Communications in May 1984 to create NATCO, an acronym for New Atari Company. NATCO further streamlined the company's facilities, personnel, and spending, i.e. he cut a bunch of people. Unknown to James Morgan and the senior management of Atari, Warner had been in talks with Tramel Technology to buy Atari's consumer electronics and home computer divisions. Negotiating until close to midnight on July 1, 1984, Drac Chamil purchased the home computer and game console divisions of Atari for $50 cash and $240 million in promissory notes and stocks, giving Warner a 20% stake in Atari Corporation, who then used it to create a new company under the name Atari Corporation. Warner retained the arcade division, continuing it under the name Atari Games, but sold it to Namco in 1985. Warner also sold the Atari L division to Mitsubishi's. Under Tremel's ownership, Atari Corp used the remaining stock of game console inventory to keep the company afloat while they finished development on a 1632-bit computer system, the Atari ST. ST stands for 1632, 
referring to the machine's 16-bit bus and 32-bit processing core. In April 1985, they released the first update to the 8-bit computer line, the Atari 65XE, the Atari XE series. June 1985 saw the release of the Atari 130XE. Atari user groups received early sneak preview samples of the new Atari's 520STs, and major retail shipments hit store shelves in September 1985 of Atari's new 32-bit Atari ST computers. In 1986, Atari launched two console designs under Warner, the Atari 2600 Junior and the Atari 7800 console, which saw limited release in 1984. Atari rebounded, earning a $25 million profit that year. In 1987, Atari acquired the Federated Group for $67.3 million, securing shelf space in over 60 stores in California, Arizona, Texas, and Kansas, at a time when major electronic outlets were reluctant to carry Atari-branded computers, and two-thirds of Atari PC production was sold in Europe. The Federated Group was sold to Silo in 1989. That was a quick turnaround. In 1989, Atari released the Atari Lynx, a handheld console with color graphics, to much fanfare. A shortage of parts kept the system from being released nationwide for the 1989 Christmas season, and the Lynx lost market share to Nintendo's Game Boy, which, despite only having a black and white display, was cheaper, had better battery life, and had much higher availability. Tremel emphasized computers over game consoles, but Atari's proprietary computer architecture and operating system fell victim to the success of the Wintel platform while the gaming market revived. In 1989, Atari Corps sued Nintendo for $250 million, alleging it had an illegal monopoly. Atari eventually lost the case when it was rejected by a U.S. District Court in 1992. In 1993, Atari positioned its Jaguar as the only 64-bit interactive media entertainment system available, but it sold poorly. It would be the last home console to be produced by Atari and the last to be produced by an American manufacturer until Microsoft's introduction of the Xbox in 2001. By 1996, a series of successful lawsuits had left Atari with millions of dollars in the bank, but the failure of the Lynx and Jaguar left Atari without a product to sell. Tremell and his family also wanted out of the business. The result was a rapid succession of changes in ownership. In July 1996, Atari merged with JTS Inc., a short-lived maker of hard disk drives, to form JTS Corporation. Atari's role in the new company largely became that of holder for the Atari properties and minor support, and consequently the name largely disappeared from the market. After the sale of the Consumer Electronics and Computer Divisions to Jack Trammell, Atari was renamed Atari Games Corporation. Atari Games retained most of the same employees and managers from the coin-operated games division and continued many of the division projects from before the transition. In 1985, a controlling interest in the coin-operated games division was sold to Namco, which also took the Atari Games name. Warner renamed Atari Games to Atari Holdings, which continued as a non-operating subsidiary until 1992. Meanwhile, Namco later lost interest in operating Atari games. In 1987, Namco sold 33% of its share to a group of employees led by then-president Hideyuku Nakajima. He had been the president of Atari games since 1985. Atari Ireland was a subsidiary of Atari games that manufactured their games for the European market. While under Namco, Atari Ireland also manufactured Sega's Hang On for the European market. 
Atari Games continued to manufacture arcade games and units, and starting in 1988, also sold cartridges for the Nintendo Entertainment System under the Tenjin brand name, including a version of Tetris. The companies exchanged several lawsuits in the late 1980s related to disputes over the rights to Tetris and Tenjin's circumvention of Nintendo's lockout chip, which prevented third parties from creating unauthorized games. The suit finally reached a settlement in 1994, with Atari Games paying Nintendo cash damages and use of several patent licenses. In April 1996, after an unsuccessful bid by Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell, the company was sold to WMS Industries, owners of the Williams, Bailey, and Midway arcade brands, which restored the use of the Atari Games name. On November 19, 1999, Atari Games Corporation was renamed Midway Games West Inc., resulting in the Atari Games name no longer being used. On March 13, 1998, JTS sold the Atari name and assets to Hasbro Interactive for $5 million, less than a fifth of what Warner Communications had paid 22 years earlier. This transition primarily involved the brand and intellectual property, which now fell under the Atari Interactive division of Hasbro Interactive. The brand name changed hands again in December 2000, when French software publisher Infogrames took over Hasbro Interactive. In October 2001, Infogrames, now Atari SA, announced it was reinventing the Atari brand with the launch of three new games featuring a prominent Atari branding on their box arts. Splashdown, MX Rider, and Trans World Surf. Ooh, Trans World Surf. That'd be kind of awkward to watch. Infogrames used Atari as a brand name for games aimed at 18 to 34 year olds. Other Infogrames games under the Atari name included V Rally 3, Neverwinter Nights, Stuntman, and Enter the Matrix. On May 7, 2003, Infogrames had its majority owned but discrete U.S. subsidiary Infogrames N.A. officially renamed Atari Inc., renamed its European operations to Atari Europe, but kept the original name of the main company, Infogrames Entertainment. The original Atari Holdings division purchased from Hasbro, i.e. Hasbro Interactive, was also made a separate corporate entity renamed as Atari Interactive. If you guys are lost with all the renaming, uh, so am I. You look at these charts of how companies rename stuff, and it's just mind-boggling. On March 6, 2008, Infogrames made an offer to Atari Inc. to buy out all remaining public shares for a value of $1.68 per share, or $11 million total. The offer would make Infogrames sole owner of Atari Inc., thus making it a privately held company. On April 6, 2008, Atari Inc. announced its intentions to accept Infogrames' buyout offer and to merge with Infogrames. On October 8, 2008, Infogrames completed its acquisition of Atari Inc., making it a wholly owned subsidiary. On December 9, 2008, Atari announced that it had acquired Cryptic Studios, an MMORPG developer. Namco Bandai purchased a 34% stake in Atari Europe on May 14, 2009, paving the way for its acquisition from Infogrames. Atari had significant financial issues for several years prior, with losses in the tens of millions since 2005. In May 2009, Infogrames Entertainment SA, the parent company of Atari, and Atari Interactive announced it would change its name to Atari SA. In May 2010, Atari SA board member and former CEO David Gardner resigned. Original Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell joined the board as a representation for Blue Bay Holdings. 
As of March 31st, 2011, the board of directors consists of Frank Dangard, Jen Wilson, Tom Verdon, Gene Davis, and Alexander Fischelschen. I probably didn't say that right. On January 21st, 2013, the four related Atari companies, which were Atari Interactive, Humongous, and California U.S. Holding, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the United States Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York. All three Ataris emerged from bankruptcy one year later and the entering of the social casino gaming industry with Atari Casino. Frederick Ch- uh, Chesnias, I, uh, do you, you think I do uh, Asian names bad? These French names are insane. I'm going to say C-H-E-S-N-A-I-S. Let's go with Chinai, Chesnai. Anyway, who had held all three companies stated that their entire operations consisted of a staff of 10 people. So that right there was the downfall of Atari. As soon as they got into the social casino gaming with Atari Casino and they only had a staff of 10 people, you know it's not going to turn out well. On June 6, 2017, a short teaser video was released promoting a new product. And the following week, same French guy confirmed the company was developing a new game console. The hardware was stated to be based on PC technology and still under development. In mid-July 2017, an Atari press release confirmed the existence of the new hardware, referred to it as the Atari box. The box design was derived from early Atari designs, e.g. the 2600, with a ribbed top surface giggity, and a rise in the back of the console. Two versions were announced, one with a traditional wood veneer front, the other with a glass front. Connectivity options were revealed, including HDMI, USB, and an SD card. The console was said to support both classic and current games. Also, according to an official company statement on June 22, 2017, the product was to be initially launched via a crowdfunding campaign in order to minimize any financial risks to the parent company. On September 26, 2017, Atari sent out a press release about the new Atari VCS, which confirmed more details about the console. It runs a Linux operating system with full access to the underlying OS, but it has a custom interface designed for the TV. On January 27, 2020, Atari announced a deal with GSD Group to build Atari Hotels, with the first breaking ground in Phoenix in mid-2020. Additional hotels were also planned in Las Vegas, Denver, Chicago, Austin, Seattle, San Francisco, and San Jose. The company plans to make the hotel experience immersive and accessible to all ages. Hotels are planned to include virtual and augmented reality technologies. That'd be kind of interesting. I, I would like to stay in an Atari hotel just to see what it's like. On December 16, 2020, Atari shipped the first units of the Atari VCS exclusively to backers of the system's crowdfunding campaign. Atari urged the backers to give feedback on the system so the company could make changes to improve the product on its official launch. So if you backed the campaign, you got the beta system and you had to tell them what was wrong. That kind of sucked. In 2020, Atari Token was launched by Atari, a world-known producer of interactive entertainment products in equal partnership with ICICB Group. The group was granted an issuance license to launch an online casino using cryptocurrencies, including the Atari token. The group partnering with Atari opened a new company in Gibraltar called Atari Chain LTD. In March 2021, Atari extended its partnership with the ICICB group for the development of Atari branded hotels, and the first hotels would be constructed in selected locations outside the United States, with Dubai, Gibraltar, and Spain as the primary locations. There you have it. There is the history 
the brief history. It's very, uh, it's neutered. It's not everything the Reader's Digest, if you will, of Atari. Um, I think we spent some more time on it on my podcast about the history of video games itself. But I just wanted to talk about Atari itself. But yeah, let me know what you think. Send me an email to retrobandgaming at gmail.com. What are your memories of the Atari? Have you had a chance to play the new Atari VCS system? I will be making a YouTube video about that with my pros and cons. Um, Also, would you be interested in staying at a Atari hotel? Uh, I wonder how that would would look. I would just hope that the toilets would look like Pac-Man. That'd be pretty damn cool. But... You guys, if you get a chance to play some Atari games the next coming week, please do. Have fun, take care of yourself, and as always, keep on gaming. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please take a second to subscribe. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can at retrobendgaming at gmail.com. Thanks again, and as always, keep gaming.